Welcome into episode 17 of the Galloway Podcast. I'm your host, William Galloway, on this Thursday, August 1st. Folks, it is August and it is football season. Alabama football just a few days away. Really, we've got about four weeks, but I mean, in terms of what we've been waiting for, it's closer than ever, and we're really excited. We're going to talk with Rodney Orr, the co-founder of Tider Insider, on today's podcast, previewing Alabama football and the SEC as well. He has got plenty of insight to provide on what the Crimson Tide faces this season uh, in terms of who they bring back and who's new, uh, what's going to happen on the field in terms of the schedule, the strength of schedule. We're going to go around the SEC. We're going to talk Auburn. We're going to talk Georgia. We're going to talk Texas A&M. You name it, we're going to talk college football here on the Galloway Podcast. That's coming up in a few moments with Rodney Orr. But catching you up, guys, episode 16 was back in May. It was early in the month, and it seems like it was forever ago. I mean, it's been a great summer. I was away from the podcast, kind of away from the world of social media. I was up at camp doing videographer work. That was a great summer there. Really excited to dive back in this fall and talk about Alabama football and the SEC and college football in general. There's going to be a lot of podcasts, a lot of content being put out there, but I hope you all had a wonderful summer, whether you were working, whether you at camp like me, uh, if you went to the lake, the beach, whatever you did, I hope you had a wonderful summer. And now as that draws to a close, we turn our full attention towards the college football scene. So we're really excited about that, really excited about Rodney joining the show. But looking back on the summer, some of the big storylines with the NBA draft, Zion Williamson going number one, the Braves are playing well, the Phillies are not. Uh, What's up with the Phillies paying all that money to Bryce Harper and then having uh, just knocking on the door of 500 is, is a little beyond me. What's going on with Philadelphia and the Phillies? But the Braves are playing well, which is exciting. Alabama basketball, Kyra Lewis won a gold medal for the U19 team. That was really exciting. Alabama uh, men's basketball has yet to release a non-conference schedule despite it being August 1st, but we are um, we should be close to getting a final schedule there. We've known some games here and there from uh, SEC Big 12 challenges and other showcases that Alabama will participate in. The Crimson Tide will face North Carolina in the battle for Atlantis in the first round. That'll be really exciting. Nate Oates and his staff face uh, the Tar Heels, which will be stiff competition and a great test for the Crimson Tide early on in the season. Uh, golf has been going on. Tennis has been going on. I mean, Wimbledon, French Open, the World of Golf, U.S. Open. I mean, British. Everything's been going on. It's been a wonderful summer to see uh, what's going on in the world of sports. There has been so much, and we could go back and look at all that. We're just going to skip over it and dive right into the fall with college football. So now, without further ado, I present to you Mr. Rodney Orr, co-founder of Tider Insider on the Galloway Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. You 
can follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. You can follow Rodney at Tider Insider. And we had a great conversation previewing Alabama, Auburn, uh, other SEC schools, and just kind of talking about the college football season. So I hope you guys really enjoy this podcast. I had a great time making it, and uh, we're going to make some more episodes in season talking football. But for now, let's preview the Alabama football season, and college football with Rodney Orr. Joining the Galloway podcast now is the co-founder of Tider Insider, Rodney Orr. Uh, If you're an Alabama fan, you've definitely come across Tider Insider. Rodney is essentially a walking sports book for Alabama, especially Alabama football. He's been covering um, Alabama since the 90s and has been watching Alabama football um, and taking it all in for a very long time. So, Rodney, welcome into the podcast. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, William. And when you said following it for a very long time, it, it has been a very long time. This will be the uh, like the 51st season I've watched an Alabama game, so that's a long time. That is phenomenal. So you are obviously um, very knowledgeable of Alabama sports, and we're excited. Looking forward to this season. We thank you for having um, taking time out of your day and joining the podcast. But looking forward to this season, Rodney. There's so much as an Alabama fan, to look forward to. Uh, but there's also so much to discuss because the offseason, I feel like, has been what we're doing right now, just a lot of talk because you come off that Alabama-Clemson uh, national championship where Alabama took the 28-point loss, which was tough to watch as an Alabama fan. But since then, it's been all talk, and now August is finally here, and the play is you know obviously less than a month away. Fall camp starts tomorrow. Um, what stands out? the most to you about this Alabama football team this season? Well, there's probably a few things. Uh, First of all, I think we'll start with what is positive for sure is all of these great players that I think they have returning on both sides of the ball, but especially on offense. When you look at having a great quarterback, that's where it all starts. And make no mistake about it, Tua Tongo Eloa is a great quarterback. Might be the best quarterback in the country, certainly one of the best. And you know, I think that he's probably the best I've ever watched at Alabama. Uh, did see Kenny Stabler play in his last game, but really didn't understand, you know, what I was looking at. So with that said, uh, I, I think Tua, starting with him, uh, you know, that's a, that's a great place to start. He has all those great weapons outside the, the receivers. He has four tremendous receivers. You know about them, Judy Ruggs. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. Um, you know, I think that the offensive line has a chance to be much better this year. I think Kyle Flood, the new uh, offensive line coach, is really doing a tremendous job. I think you'll see them become more physical as a unit this year. And then I think, obviously, they have some, some great running backs, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson. Jerome Ford showed some flashes in the spring, and I'm, I'm really excited about the two freshmen, Trey Sanders and Keelan Robinson. That's a name, Keelan Robinson, that maybe hasn't been mentioned as much. But uh, hearing a lot of good things about him this summer. Very explosive player, reminds some of Josh Jacobs, uh, but a faster version. And then uh, maybe the one question mark at tight end. You lost Hale Hinches, you lost Irv Smith, and then now you've lost Kedrick James, who had a lot of potential. Absolutely. So, you know, some guys are going to have to step up there. All right, well, there. The offense is is bringing a lot of excitement. I mean, you look essentially relatively to the defense, 
you don't lose nearly as many people. And this unit, I feel like, has played together and really gelled since that national championship game against Georgia uh, in early 2018. I mean, these guys have been a unit. They're traveling together, and I feel like a lot of them are going to end up in the draft, um, you know, in that next year, next spring, um, when it all comes down to it, Alabama could have five, six, seven, maybe eight guys go first round, depending on the seasons that some of the guys have. But who has the highest ceiling, Rodney, in your opinion, uh, on the offensive side of the ball? Well, I mean, that's uh, there's a lot of really good players there, uh, potentially. And so it's, it's very difficult to say because they all have such different roles. I mean, you know, you look at how valuable offensive tackles are. Jedrick Wills, uh, Alex Leatherwood. I think a young player like Evan Neal is someone to, maybe not this year, but when you talk about ceiling for the future, he's certainly a guy that I would really keep an eye on, has a chance to start at left guard this year. Probably the future at left tackle after Leatherwood departs. So those guys are obviously great. And all of those receivers, every one of them are outstanding. Uh, so they're great. But when you have a quarterback like Tua, who some people say could be the number one pick in the draft next year, of course, that, that remains to be seen. I think that, uh, you know, that, that you certainly have to look to him. Um you know, some people said he struggled a little bit down the stretch. Well, he had some injuries uh, throughout the season, latter part of the season, had a major injury against Georgia. That certainly would impact any quarterback, any player, when you have those kinds of nagging injuries and then the one he had against Georgia. So uh, certainly he needs to improve some, but uh, obviously a great talent and a, and a very, very high ceiling. Absolutely, Rodney. We're talking talking with Rodney Orr, uh, co-founder of Tider Insider. And Rodney, a lot like we were saying early on, um, a lot of talk has been going on this season, and that's really all you can do in the offseason is talk. But um, the Amway coaches poll came out today, and Alabama received six of 65 first-place votes. Clemson received the other 59 Uh why is that? Because Clemson is obviously – they have a lot of potential. They're going to be a great team. They have uh, a fair schedule in, in terms of working in towards their favor. But why did Alabama only receive, do you think, six of the 65 first-place votes? Um, and is the lingering factor of the 28-point uh, loss in the national championship, does that have a bigger effect than people think? Well, I think probably on the voting it did in the minds of those who – you know, made those selections. You, the last thing you remember is what Trevor Lawrence was doing with Justin Ross, kind of carving up Alabama's defense. So that certainly made a made a strong impression. You know, Clemson returns a lot of talent on the offensive side. Now they do lose a lot on defense, especially up front on the defensive line. A lot of great players and a lot of great leadership they're losing there. But you know, they play a very very weak schedule for the most part in the ACC. That's just a fact. They do play Texas A&M again this year. They have them at home. Uh, so, but that's not saying that Clemson doesn't deserve uh, the number one ranking at all. Um, they're obviously very talented, and they're going to be a very good team. They finished number one last year, and a lot of people have the same expectations of them this year. So I could see voting them number one. And, uh, you know, hey, for Alabama, that's good. I think to have someone else voted number one, especially the team that beat you by four touchdowns in the championship game, that should kind of give you a little bit of motivation. 
Absolutely. That extra motivation is really what I feel like is going to push Alabama. But let's say it comes down to it at the end of the season. And obviously we know Coach Saban does not answer hypothetical questions. But here on this podcast, we're, we're going to talk about some hypotheticals. Let's say Alabama and Clemson end up 13-0. and um, And they both have, like I said, fair schedules that work to their advantage in terms of competition and stuff like that. But where where do you end up putting a one and a two that are both 13 and 0 at the end of the season if that is to happen this year in terms of the college football playoff ranking because both you know you look at the strength of schedule and it's it's kind of equally balanced in terms of not being very strong on both sides of the schedule if one team plays just far better than the other obviously say Alabama plays much better and Clemson has some close games you give them the one seed but where do you really draw the line on two 13 and 0 teams if you're trying to rank them in the playoff yeah, I think that's very hard. You have to, especially right now, you just have to see how it plays out, judge each team by by the, the, the overall season. And, you know, I, I think that it's just really difficult to say. Now, I do think any time you play in the SEC, you're going to be facing stronger competition. Uh, you know, Alabama has Texas A&M on the road, uh, which could be a very difficult game in that environment if they get all riled up because uh, that college station can be – a little bit like Auburn at times, you know, if you get those Aggies into it, uh, it can be tough on the road, a lot of noise, but, uh, you know, obviously you play Tennessee here, uh, maybe they're improved. A lot of people think Tennessee is going to be vastly improved in Jeremy Pruitt's second year. So, you know, we'll see there. And then you, you have LSU here and LSU's talking like they're going to have one of their better teams. So that will obviously be some strong competition. You go down to Auburn, uh, which could be very good on defense, especially up front. Uh, if they find a quarterback, you know, they could be really good. We'll see what happens there. But again, you go on the road, so that's going to be a difficult uh, challenge. And if you can get through the SEC, win the West, after the Auburn game, you immediately got to go to Atlanta to play a real high-quality opponent, whether it's Georgia, who many predict it would be, or Florida, or whoever it might be. So... You know, again, Alabama will certainly, I think, have an opportunity to go in if they win the SEC uh, and are undefeated as the number one team. Uh, and to me, it's uh, you know, it's about draw. And I thought last year Alabama going in as the number one team did not get the best draw. I mean, they had to play Oklahoma in the first round, and you know, Clemson kind of got the easier draw, if you will, with Notre Dame, and. Uh, so, again, it's, it's, it's tough to project right now. I mean, I understand it's fun to speculate, but it's really, you know, a long season and all these things will be answered uh, down the road. Absolutely. And you go through the grind of the schedule and you look at Alabama, like you were mentioning, Texas A&M, uh, Tennessee is going gonna, is gonna to bring some challenges, LSU, of course, at Auburn. But you look at, at Clemson's and who they play in their conference, and it's just not nearly as strong. And so I think that you can definitely, if they both end up undefeated, end up kind of tipping your cap to Alabama and saying, yeah, you had a tougher schedule, you went through much more of a grind. Um and that's that's speaking without having seen a single snap of this 2019 season, of course. But uh, strength of schedule definitely favors, I feel like, Alabama um, just because of conference competition, like you were mentioning. Talking with Rodney Orr, co-founder of Tighter Insider here on the Galloway Podcast. Uh, Rodney, on the defensive side of the ball, Alabama gave up 4.9 yards per play last year, which is 
a very good number, um, but in terms of the Alabama standard, is not quite where it's been in the past. How is Alabama going to fill all those gaps on defense and also uh, try and get that number down from last year on the yards per play average? Well, I think there's probably a number of factors that went into what you know happened last year on the defensive side. First of all, you lost a lot of personnel over the last two years, um, and it was very difficult to replace many of those guys. You know, some of them left early. Many of them left early. So it kind of left you in a little bit of a bind personnel-wise. Then you had some injuries. Terrell Lewis went down before the season. Chris Allen went down before the season. Those were two key players. Um, Trevon Diggs went down in an Arkansas game, I think it was. So there were some injuries on that side of the ball that, that I thought hurt. I also feel like that Alabama's coaching staff on the defensive side was never really in sync. Um, you know, so there were some who questioned the hiring of, or the promotion of Tosh Lapoy to defensive coordinator. Um, you know, but who's to question Nick Saban? Uh, but still, I, I think that Tosh's inexperience and lack of experience, I should say, um, uh, as a defense coordinator might have contributed to some of that. And then you had, on the defensive staff as a whole, William, you look, there really wasn't anyone on that staff that had experience in Nick Saban's system. And I think when you look at Kirby Smart through the years, Jeremy Pruitt, you know, they lost that continuity there on the defensive side, and I think that really hurt. So I think looking at this year's staff, on the defensive side, you've got guys with experience, and you've got guys with experience in Nick Saban's system. Right. I really like the addition of Sal Sinceri. You know, he's, he won two national championships as an assistant here. Uh, he worked with Jeremy Pruitt at Florida State. Got experience outside Alabama, comes back and brings that with Bingo. him. Bingo. Was at Tennessee as a defense coordinator. Uh, so he knows the Nick Saban system very, very well. Charles Kelly has worked with Jeremy Pruitt at Florida State and at Tennessee. He knows and understands the Nick Saban system. Uh, Pete Golding and Carl Scott have both been in the system for a year now, so they're much more acclimated to it. I think Brian Baker is probably much better suited to Nick Saban's uh, defense on the on the defensive line than was uh, Coach Kuligowski, who is obviously no longer with the staff. But uh, so I think overall, coaching on that side of the ball will be improved uh, for various reasons. And I think the personnel, when you look at some of the guys they've got coming back on the defensive front, some of the young players that I think on the defensive front that can contribute. Uh, whether it's D.J. Dale, um, Christian Barmore, um, you know, some other freshmen. Byron Young is a guy that we keep continue to hear a lot about, though he hasn't even practiced yet. Uh, Justin Aboybe did go through spring practice. So I'm really excited about those young players, along with, you know, Fedarian Mathis, LeBron Ray, um, and some of the other guys, including Raekwon Davis, by the way, who has, has started the last two years, and we hear he has had a great summer. He's really stepped it up with his leadership. So that was good news. I think, you know, again, can Terrell Lewis stay healthy at one of the outside backers spot? You know, they need Chris Allen to stay healthy. And Fernie Jennings is obviously a proven commodity. Uh, Dylan Moses is one of the better inside linebackers in the country. But other than him, you really don't have any experience. You know, Josh McMillan's been around a while but hasn't played a ton. 
He's going to have a crack right. at it. Uh, you've got some young players, whether it's Ali Cajo, Markel Benton, Jalen Moody, and then the true freshman, Shane Lee. And I've got, I continue to hear a ton of buzz about the new freshman that just arrived in May, Christian Harris. Very, very athletic. Keep an eye on him. I think he's got a chance to contribute. And then that secondary should be really, really good. A lot of good players back there. Trevon Diggs is back. Uh, Patrick Sertain's probably going to move inside to the star spot in the nickel with uh, Josh Job, who's a very, very talented uh, player at the other corner. And then you've got, I think, Cy Carter probably bumped back to safety to join Xavier McKinney. And Jared Maiden is also in the mix back there and some other younger players. So just to sum it up, I think the defense has a chance to be uh, considerably better this year. Absolutely. Jared Maiden really stepped up last year uh, when some injuries came into that secondary and made a lot of big plays um, for the Crimson Tide. So I'm excited to see how he grows. But these names have been around the system for a while and they're they're developing and they, they get uh, because it's, it's not easy. You don't pick up the Alabama defensive playbook and learn it in three weeks. I mean, you don't learn it in three months either. So a lot of these guys, they're now getting their turn um, and Alabama's defense, I feel like, is going to be really special. Thank you for giving that run through um, on the defense and also on the coaching staff because I, I did a podcast back in the spring and we talked about the coaching turnover um, and it's it's so significant. It's it's the third year in a row that Alabama's just had new coaches, but this year, as you mentioned, the system um, is is going to be. These guys have been in the system or been around the system because of products of Coach Saban's system, and so I feel like that will be uh, big for Alabama. Rodney, looking elsewhere in the SEC, uh, Georgia really stands out. Texas A&M is, uh, is, is rising, but who is an underdog or a sleeper for the SEC that will make some noise? Not necessarily win their division, but um, will surprise some people. Well, uh, you know, I think uh, you mentioned Texas A&M, but uh, I, I think they there's they should be improved in Jimbo Fisher's second year. But a team that I really kind of have an eye on is Florida. And, and the reason is, that first of all, they finished very strong in their bowl game against uh, Michigan. Uh, I think Dan Mullen does a great job. People kind of criticize him for his recruiting uh, but I do think he does a fantastic job of evaluating players. You saw what he did at Mississippi State. Got a lot of really good players that maybe weren't the most highly touted guys, and and they had a lot of success. You know, anytime you can elevate Mississippi State at any point in the season to the number one spot in the nation, that's unheard of. And he did that in 2014 there. He always had good teams. And I think, you know, at Florida this year, in his second year, they should probably make a big step. I understand that Felipe Franks, who went through a lot of criticism last year as a quarterback, and apparently had a really good spring, good offseason. And, you know, we'll see how much improvement he's made. But I expect Florida, I'm I'm really going to be keeping an eye on them to see how much improvement they make in the East. And uh, we'll see. We'll see if they get good quarterback play. Would not surprise me if they challenge Georgia. They could definitely. I mean, they've got that that neutral game versus Georgia. But looking at their schedule, they've, they're at LSU, which will be a great test on October twelfth. So I feel like Alabama Alabama fans will watch that A and M game, and then also have their eyes elsewhere in Baton Rouge, looking at that Florida versus LSU game. But um, I mean, their other road games are at Kentucky, um, at South Carolina, and at Missouri. So they have a, a pretty favorable schedule. I feel like to make some noise. Um, 
We'll see where they end up in the East, but I think they can definitely give Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs a run for their money. Rodney, what are what are some some of the biggest games that stand out to you um, in the SEC for conference games and also non-conference games? Because when you think about that uh, Notre Dame at Georgia game on the 21st, you've got, of course, Texas A&M and Clemson, as you mentioned. But uh, what, what do you have circled on your calendar, a uh, non-Alabama game that is uh, either conference or non-conference involving the SEC? Well, I think one of the ones that stands out to me is LSU and Texas uh, early in the season. I'm not sure the exact date. But that's a big game for both of those teams because they're both trying to take that next step. And the winner of that game, could it could really propel one of those teams forward and it could possibly uh, do some real damage to the loser of that game depending on how they respond to that. So uh, that's a game that I'm really going to be interested in watching. LSU, to me, should go into Austin and win the game. I think their overall better uh but texas is returning their quarterback i think they feel like they're going to be pretty good on offense i know tom herman was not pleased with the defense in the spring but you know we'll really see how how much progress they've made both of those teams have made in that game i think that's a that's a really key game you know lsu to me and just real as a side note william lsu is the team that could be really good but at the same time, I won't be at all surprised if they drop a few games. Uh, um, you know, they, they, they're expecting more. Uh, I saw yesterday one of their writers. They're expecting more than 10 and 2, a 10 and 2 type season. They're expecting more than that this year. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how LSU does. And you mentioned Notre Dame and Georgia. You know, Notre Dame having to come to Athens, that'll certainly be a really, really um, big test, and you know if Georgia does a lot of talking. Let's just be honest. Oh yeah, uh, a lot of talking and a lot of barking. Yep, they do a lot of talking. They've had two really good years uh, under Kirby Smart. Obviously, uh, did not finish the national championship game, and then last year they were really good. Had Alabama on the ropes and couldn't finish the SEC championship game. So this year, the question is. is you know, can Kirby Smart finally get them over the hump, so to speak? And they've got all the talent on the offense. They talk about this is the greatest offensive line in the history of college football. I'm talking about that's what the Georgia people are saying. Right. Uh, they've got they've got DeAndre Swift, who is obviously a great, great running back. For Jake Fromm's a tremendous college quarterback. Uh, the one thing on offense they lack is experience at the wide receiver spots. But otherwise, they feel really confident about that side of the ball. Defensively, you know, Kirby generally does a really good job of you know, getting those guys ready to play. Uh, they've been very physical uh, the last couple of years. So I think Georgia is a team to, to, to really keep an eye on um, and see how they, they do this year. Because this is the year uh, they, they're expecting to get over the hump. And that hump has been, I mean, that just losing one or two regular season games because Kirby Smart, you know, if you're if you're outside the SEC and and Kirby Smart is your coach and you're putting up the the record that he's put up um, in the past few years, you're very happy. You know, Jim Harbaugh hasn't done close to that in Michigan, um, and he's you don't hear noise about how Jim Harbaugh and Michigan are, are trying to get over that hump. Well, Kirby Smart is is surpassed Jim Harbaugh in terms of college football success. And he is, and he still he can't 
compared to Alabama because he hasn't been able to beat them twice in the past two years. So I really think it's interesting how the SEC is just overpowering all the other conferences. Um, and Coach Saban, it all comes back to him really setting a new standard of what success looks like in the college game. Yeah, and you've got a lot of it's, – it's becoming much more competitive for Alabama. I mean, you've got a lot of the Saban guys that are at spots now. You've got Jimbo Fisher to the west at Texas A&M. You've got to the north. Jeremy Pruitt, you've got to the east, you've got, um, you know, uh, Kirby Smart, as we've talked about. Uh, so it, it's really become much more competitive for Alabama. Uh, the stakes are, you know, high, but, you know, and, and the challenges are greater now. I mean, it's just very, very difficult uh, uh, right now. It's not, it's, I don't want to say it was easy, that's not what I meant. But I just think there's a lot more challenges now with those guys that we mentioned who are from the Saban system. They recruit extremely well. They're very aggressive recruiters. Uh, you know, they're good coaches. They, they know the system. They know the plan. And guess what? They've implemented those things extremely well at the places where they are, but they also have a great understanding of, of what Alabama does, which makes it uh, uh, even more challenging. So, um, you know, I, I just think it's much more difficult than it was just a few years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one Speaking of difficulty, one team that's going to have a tough time um, and have a lot to prove is Auburn because they're really flying under the radar. No one really can put a, a finger on exactly how this season is going to end up for them. There are a lot of question marks um, surrounding that program and, and, and you know where what their strengths and weaknesses are. Obviously, losing Jarrett Stidham is huge, but Rodney – as we talk with Rodney Orr, co-founder of Tighter Insider here on the Galloway Podcast, what uh, what stands out to Auburn about you this season, and what what are they going to have success with, and what will they struggle with? Well, first of all, I think Kevin Steele's done a great job as their defensive coordinator there the last few years. I mean, you know, he probably got a bad rap for some things that have happened at some other stops like Clemson and, and so forth, and people lost a little bit of confidence in him as a defensive coordinator. Of course, he did an excellent job here at Alabama when he was here, but uh, he has just done a fantastic job at Auburn, I think. And uh, I think that his defense has a chance to be really good this year. I'm not really sure about their secondary. That may be a question mark. But I know up front they're going to have some talent, a lot of talent. They're loaded, whether it's Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson, Nick Coe, whoever it is. They've really got some tremendous talent up front on the defensive line. It kind of reminds some people of, of Clemson from you know what they had last year coming back up front. Uh, on the offensive side, I, I, I don't know as much about their personnel up front. Uh, you know, I've heard people question you know what they have. Uh, how good will it be? Uh, you know, we'll see. But I know that uh, you know they've got some good running backs. Whitlow's really good. Um, I, I think the quarterback situation is going to be interesting to watch. And I say that because I think Joey Gatewood is a tremendous athlete. I think he's a great fit for what they do uh, offensively. He's big. You know, he's a very athletic guy. Could play other positions. And, uh, you know, we'll see how he executes the offense if he's the guy. But you know that the Auburn people are just waiting to see and waiting for Bo Nix to – eventually become that guy right uh, you know he's the, he's the legacy and, and you almost wonder if how quickly would Gus Malzahn be ready to pull the trigger if he starts Gatewood and Gatewood you know has some early season uh difficulties 
how quickly would he pull the trigger and, you know, insert Bo Nix? Because I think there's going to be some pressure to do that because he is a, a very strong legacy for Auburn. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, Auburn sometimes when they're – some people question him, they come up with these miracle seasons. And, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, kind of how, how they respond this year. But when you talked about big games in the SEC, you know, their opener against Oregon. It's in Dallas, I think, and right. you know that could that could be a really really huge game for both of those teams as well. Cristobal needs to get Oregon, you know, off on a good start. Um, I know that they've got a lot of uh, excitement there with the way he's recruited and all of that. Uh, but you know, Auburn for them, they need to take care of business in that opener. If they don't, then they could be in for a long season. If they do, we've seen Auburn at times start the season with a win like over a team like that and start gaining momentum and get on one of those rolls. And when they get on one of those rolls, they're pretty tough. They're pretty tough to stop. They're tough, and they've got their last four games uh, at home. And so, you know, they always have that funky schedule where they'll take – They'll have Alabama and Georgia at home or both on the road. Uh, This year, those are both at home, and so they could definitely pick up some late-season momentum. Um, And for Auburn, it always seems, you know, if if they can beat Alabama, it's it's a successful season for them. Uh, But we'll see because they've got – they're they're all over the place in terms of of where they're going to be. You know, they could could end up 8-4. and They could end up 10-2. and They could end up 7-5. and We really don't know, and we'll have to see – uh, but last question, talking here with Rodney Orr on the Galloway podcast, the co-founder of Tighter Insider, Rodney Orr. Uh, there's two bye weeks this season. That's something that's new uh, this year. Alabama's fall before the uh, trip to College Station to face the Aggies and before hosting LSU. Uh, Rodney, what will the addition of uh, one more bye week do for Alabama and teams in college football? Well, you know what? I'm crazy that you mentioned that because I, I had not even noticed the bye week before the Texas A&M game. Yes, yeah, so... That, 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 that could be huge. That October, could be really big for Alabama. October, the... What would be the October the 5th game? Uh, Alabama is off in preparation for going to College Station, so that's huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, for yeah the that is. I, I, in fact, I, I guess I, for some reason, it, it may be age, William. <laughs> I just uh, didn't didn't recognize that and pay attention to it. But uh, that that is that could be real key um, because again, I I, I don't want to overblow Texas A and M's, but I, I do think that they have a chance to be really good with Kellen Mond on offense. Obviously, they have to replace Travion Williams at running back, but they should be okay. Um, uh, they've got some really good receivers. They lost a lot of on defense. A lot of their, I think they lost their top six tacklers from last year. So they'll be doing some rebuilding on that side. But I can tell you, they've recruited really well on the defensive side under Jimbo. Much better anyway, for sure, especially up front. You know, they've gotten some guys. they got a player Alabama wanted a couple of years ago, Bobby Brown, uh, defensive lineman. I think they got maybe the best defensive lineman I saw in the 2019 class last year, DeMarvin Leal. Uh, he's got a chance to be really good. But, uh, again, they've recruited well. They're much more physical and aggressive on defense. and uh, So that week off could certainly help Alabama. And then it always helps Alabama, you know, to have a week off 
but I'm not sure if they, it would help them more if they had a week off after the LSU game because that's always such a physical game. Or right. It used to be when Les Miles was there. But it's such a physical game. takes a toll. And, uh, you know, it always made it difficult going into that Mississippi State game. But, uh, again, I, I think that's a big key to have that off week before Texas A&M. One thing Coach Saban mentioned, uh, I think it was in his ESPN car wash a couple days ago or the SEC media days, is that the team kind of lost its focus after that LSU game. And so if that um, that week off last year came in helpful, I think it was that was when Jalen had his, his foot procedure before the LSU game. Um, right. And so that, that week definitely helps. But as you mentioned, you know, Alabama could also benefit from uh, – either sandwiching their bye weeks or getting one after the LSU game as opposed to uh, before and regaining their focus. Um, But this year, bye weeks are falling before Texas A&M on October 5th and before LSU on what would be a November 2nd game. So, Rodney, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I really appreciate you sharing uh, all your insight and kind of off-season analysis and and preseason preview of uh, the SEC and especially Alabama. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, William. Just one more thank you to Rodney for that interview. I really enjoyed talking to him. He's always uh, very informative to listen to, talking about Alabama and college football in general. If you have any questions about the podcast, please feel free to DM me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. If you're getting this podcast from Tider Insider, please follow me on Twitter. I share Lots of content about Alabama athletics and sports in general. I work as a sports reporter for WVUA, do some PA announcing and uh, studying journalism at the University of Alabama, where I will be a junior this fall. So I'm excited to get that underway in a couple weeks. Alabama football around the corner. Check out previous episodes of the podcast on SoundCloud. We're getting those uh, numbers are going up on the listens and the episodes. Uh, we will get more and more this fall with Alabama football content and content from college football and the NFL, other sports going on as well when the World Series rolls around in October. So a lot of Galloway podcast content coming up. Thank you for listening. If you listen on Tider Insider, let me know. Give me a follow. And uh, also want to give a shout out to Michael Tortorisi and DSC Sports in Birmingham, a sports marketing consulting firm creating the new logo for the Galloway podcast. It's a great new clean look to get the fall off started right. So shout out to Michael Tortorisi and DSC Sports for that. Uh, Thanks again to Rodney, and thank you for listening and taking time out of your day to listen to the Galloway podcast. Please feel free to subscribe, click, and listen to other episodes. We've got great interviews with people like Jay Barker, Brian Passink, Coach Hootie Ingram, among many others. on the Galloway podcast. That's on SoundCloud, hopefully coming soon to iTunes and Spotify and other podcast listening apps. Uh, Once more, thank you for listening. Thank you to Rodney. And please feel free to follow on Twitter and let me know if you have any questions. This has been a great episode and we look forward to football starting very soon. This is the Galloway podcast where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway.